Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord to which I would like to direct your attention for our meditation at this time today comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. This is the Holy Spirit's inspired account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king comes seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard what he had performed, this sign went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our humble servant, who laid down his life and took it back again so that we could live with him and for him forever, my dear friends. Today is Palm Sunday. Get my to work again. Helps if you turn it the right way. And today I want you to think about what happened a week ago when the University of Virginia men's basketball team won the NCAA National Championship. They returned home to Charlottesville and the streets were lined with people who were there to welcome them, congratulate them, and celebrate. As you can see, um, that's quite a crowd, isn't it? And as you look at this picture, you have to ask yourself this question. To what extent did this basketball team's victory benefit the people standing in the street? If one of these people was on the brink of bankruptcy, did their victory pay their bills? Um, unless they were selling t-shirts and caps? Perhaps, but not likely, right? What if one of these people is suffering from a chronic disease? Diabetes, arthritis, dementia. Would their victory help them? If in their hearts they had an ache because a loved one had been taken from them, would that loved one be restored by their victory? So why all the hoopla? When there's no real or lasting benefit to what that championship brought to the city of Charlottesville and its citizens and to the state of Virginia, why all the hoopla? Today we are celebrating another homecoming of sorts. Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. And there was hoopla. 
As Jesus came from the Mount of Olives, people lined the road that led to Jerusalem, and they were standing there with their palm branches, waving them at him. They were laying them down in the road that led to the city so that the feet of his donkey wouldn't even touch the dust of the ground. In this way, they were honoring, they were celebrating Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. But was this celebration much ado about nothing, similar to the celebration of the University of Virginia's basketball team coming home to Charlottesville? Did Jesus really make a difference for the lives of all those people who were lining the road? Or was this all just a flash in the pan? Well, let's go to the scriptures themselves. We're told, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So what had Jesus done? Shortly before this, there were two sisters, Mary and Martha, whose brother Lazarus had been taken away from them. Four days he was in the grave. On the fourth day, Jesus gave a command, and at the shout of Jesus' voice, Lazarus' life was restored. He came out of the tomb, and the two sisters had their brother back. Do you think that made a difference in their lives? There were other people who had come to Jesus with their chronic diseases. Some of them were born lame and blind, and Jesus restored their sight, and he gave them the ability to walk. There were those who were hungry, and Jesus fed them. And there were those to whom Jesus had given the command, and the demon that possessed them left them. He set them free. He made a lasting difference, didn't he? But yet you have to ask, for how long? Where's Lazarus today? Anybody know where he is? Been interviewed lately? Can you go visit him? Yeah. Lazarus was called from his grave, but he went back into it, didn't he? Those individuals to whom Jesus gave the ability to walk as they aged, do you think that maybe they needed someone to carry them around? their legs grew weak later on, that those who had their vision restored had eyes get cloudy, cataracts later on. They didn't have readers back then. And their vision got blurry. And so where is the benefit in the long run from Jesus and what he came to do? Why all the hoopla? Why are we here today? Why are we celebrating? I mean, think of your life. Do you have some holes in your heart right now because there's a loved one you'd love to have with you? A mom or dad? A husband or a wife? A son or a daughter? Just not there? Are you currently faced with some sort of chronic disease that gives you pain every day and you just don't seem to be getting any relief for it? And then there are those occasions when 
you've been sick and I've been sick. We've prayed for relief. God has given it, but I know I'm going to get sick again. And eventually, I'm going to get sick one time and not recover. And the grave that claimed Lazarus is going to claim me, and it's going to claim all of you. What is the point of all the hoopla? What's the point of all the celebration? Well, again, let's go back to the words that the people were singing. They said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. They were right when they said Jesus came in the name of the Lord. To come in someone's name means you come back by their authority, you come back by their power. Um, everyone knows what tomorrow is, right? April 15th, tax day. The IRS comes to us in the name of the United States government, right? And if you get a letter from the IRS, does that get your attention? <laughs> Indeed. Because the IRS is authorized, if necessary, to collect taxes from you to garnish your paycheck, to liquidate your axes, your, 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 your assets. And if you've broken the law so egregiously, they can even pursue imprisonment for you. Because they operate in the name of the United States of America. Jesus came into Jerusalem and he operated, as he did then, as he did his entire time on earth, in the name of the Lord, the King of Kings. And that comes with some authority. That is the Lord who said that he does not leave the guilty unpunished, but he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. And so what is it that the Lord demands from us? The IRS demands that you pay your taxes. The Lord says, give me love. I want all your love from the deepest recesses of your heart. I want your love to come out from you toward me, from your hands, from your mouth and your lips, and with every thought and plan that you make in your mind. Love me, the Lord says. But you and I are all guilty of love evasion. We have evaded giving God the love that he requires from us as children to our parents. The love that he would have us show to our neighbor who's in need and we're just too busy. The love that doesn't respect God enough to use his name only when we're praying or telling others about him. We're guilty of love evasion. And so the Lord should garnish right? Should garnish things from your life and my life. And so think about it. Every physical hardship, every natural disaster, and every death is a form of God's garnishment. He's taking something from us because of what we failed to give to him and it leads to the final liquidation of all our assets, right? Where the Lord takes away everything that he's done for us and given us, and it's nothing but darkness forever and ever. That's what God demands. Jesus came in the name of that God. 
but did he come to repossess and to garnish and to liquidate? No, he came to do something much different. John quotes the prophet Zechariah. Jesus coming into Jerusalem on that day was fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy, which said, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Do not be afraid. Jesus isn't coming to punish for love evasion. He's not coming to claim something from us, but to give something to you and to me and the entire world. Think of what happened to Jesus later on the week that he entered into Jerusalem. He was arrested. He was convicted, though he had done nothing wrong. And then the Roman soldiers took him and removed his clothes, all of them, all of them, and they suspended him on a cross for everyone who walked by to view with shame and disgust. Jesus let that happen to him. He knew that would happen to him that Friday because he understood that if he didn't do so, you and I would be the ones who would be exposed and shamed for everything that we failed to do that God requires of us. And so he wrapped himself in your shame and in my shame. And he did that on the cross so that you and I could be wrapped in his purity and his honor forever. He came in the name of the Lord who forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And he provided the payment for us. Do not be afraid. Does that make a difference? Change your life at all? You're going to get sick, so am I. And someday, that sickness is going to take us out of this world. That's okay, because Jesus has another world waiting for us, doesn't he? In that world, there is no scorching heat or sun. In that world, there is no more crying or death or dying or pain. It's a world in which everything that sin has tainted or touched in this present earth is removed and taken away. That's what Jesus entered into Jerusalem to do for you and for me. It makes a lasting difference, doesn't it? So think about that when you have those struggles in your life, when you're wondering, how am I going to pay the bills? When you're wondering, how am I going to put up with this stress in my daily routine? And you're wondering, where is all this going to end? Because the same Jesus restored Lazarus' life, and Lazarus died again, is going to raise Lazarus up in the last day. He's going to raise you and me up on the last day. He's going to glorify us forever. That changes everything. And that leads us to join the crowd, doesn't it? Hosanna! Hosanna literally means save. It's what a drowning man would shout out to someone who was in a boat nearby. Save me! And that's what Jesus rode into Jerusalem to do for you and for me. And it's because he has made that eternal difference for us that it changes who we are and what we do in this life. 
That's what the Apostle Paul is referring to in our second lesson. Your attitude should be that of the Lord Jesus Christ, who though he's in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He served. And so the difference, the eternal difference that Jesus has made for you, the lasting difference he's made for you after this world, changes what we do in this world. Because we want others to know the same hope and peace that Jesus has given to us. This morning after this worship service, we're going to be out in front of the child care center entrance, and we're going to be breaking ground to add a second story to our education facilities. In those facilities, for five days every week, children will be learning of Jesus Christ and what he did for them of the difference he made for them, of how he washed away their sin, of how he's watching and guarding over them while they're here, and how he has a wonderful future waiting for them after this life and then after this world has ended. Isn't that an awesome thing? Your past support, your continued support of that ministry will make a lasting difference in their lives. Think about that. And then remember that your life, the way that you live, that your servant attitude toward others will turn heads. Turn heads that have ears, ears that are open to listen to the difference that Jesus made for you and made for them too. Hosanna. When we live our lives in that way, we are joining the people on the street with Jerusalem, at, at Jerusalem to praise him with all that we are and have, with everything the Lord has put into our mouths, everything that he's put into our hands. And brothers and sisters, we get to express to our God the difference that he's made to us and to the world, that Jesus made a difference for them. Can you think of a better purpose in life? I can't. Hosanna. Amen. Amen.